the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets. I'm your host, The Finance Ghost. I am Mohammed Nala of MoKnows.com. Mo is one of the most respected macro analysts to come out of South Africa. He is now in Canada, so we get his global perspective layered on top of emerging markets expertise. Together, we will unpack the biggest trends and issues and scratch beneath the surface to bring you our insights and share our love and passion for markets and investments. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor. Welcome to Magic Markets. This podcast is brought to you by Anbro Capital Investments. Invest in the future, invest in growth. Visit investinunicorns.com to learn more. The Unicorn portfolio is managed by Anbro Capital Investments, an authorized financial services provider. Welcome to episode 11 of Magic Markets, and uh, we're here tonight to discuss tech truffles and unicorns. That may sound to you like the latest Shrek movie, but obviously it isn't, because in fact there are no new movies being produced anywhere. It's pretty much only Netflix producing content these days, since the movie theatres are are all shut. Some cinemas in Business Rescue, others overseas like AMC theatres are now the target of Reddit traders. So, you know, welcome to the 2021 jungle, and uh, we're fresh off the back of episode 10, where we've managed to achieve over 3,000 downloads, so Mo and I are very chuffed about that. He's not wearing his lucky baby blue hoodie tonight, so we'll see if that has an impact on downloads, but, you know, hopefully not. We're hoping that's not statistically significant. What is significant, though, tonight is that whilst Mo is usually the smartest person on this podcast, he's actually got some pretty serious competition (laughs) tonight. And it comes in the form of Craig and Tony, which is actually one person. It's not Craig and Tony. It's Craig and Tony, who is here from Anbro Capital Management. Mo, Craig, welcome to the show. And, uh, you know, I, I just think for the listeners' benefit, you know, Craig and I have worked together in, in many guises at different banks in South Africa. And in fact, you know, interesting story. When I was just starting out, Craig was a stockbroker at the time, and he was one of the first people to show me how an order book on the JSE worked. So... Craig is definitely one of the smartest people I know. And overall, he's just a great guy. And that's exactly why we, we want to have him here on the show. So, uh, Craig, I take great pleasure in introducing you. Uh, as Ghost mentioned, Craig is the Chief Investment Officer at Anbro Capital Investments. He's currently based in the UK. Craig, welcome to Magic Markets. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mo. Thanks, Ghost. Very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, Craig, it's a, it's a pleasure, as we said, and you know there must obviously be a reason for us to have you on the show, and it's it's not just that you're a smart or a nice guy. You're also pretty savvy when it comes to your investments, and, and there's a particular fund that I wanted to showcase for the listeners called the Unicorn, and you know, Craig is too modest to tell you guys this, so I'm, I'm going to just set him up here and say that Unicorn is a fund that's delivered around 85% gains last year alone. And since inception, which was just around two years ago, the fund's up about 160%. How's that for an intro? Craig, tell us what this magical unicorn is actually about and how you go about spinning this magic. Sure, thanks. I'll do so with pleasure. It's been a very, very exciting ride for us, Mo. I mean, you know, when we started Anbro in 2014, we always said that we wanted to be unique. We wanted to do something a little bit different. And, you know, fast forward now almost seven, seven years, seven and a half years or so, um, you know, we're in a position where we think we've, you know, we're well on the way to doing that. So the unicorn portfolio is a portfolio that we constructed and the intention really is maximum upside. You know, the, the 
sort of big, hairy, audacious goal in this portfolio is to deliver 20% per annum in growth in US dollars consistently. So that is a very, very, very steep target. Craig, there's a learning opportunity there for listeners. Why is 20% in dollars so much harder or so much more of a goal than 20% in RAND, for example, because in the JSE, the sort of long-term average is, is what, sort of 13 to 15% on stocks? Mm. Why is 20% in dollars such a big goal? The first of all, you know, generally speaking, when one looks at things like rates of inflation, you know, SA inflation is going to average, say, four and a half, maybe 5% or so. That's pretty much off the bat what you should get in growth in most investments. And then you're just keeping pace with inflation. Over and above that is when you start creating wealth for the long-term investors. Now, when you look at first world markets, particularly say the US, Europe, Japan, as we know, you know, they all have interest rates at or very close to zero, you know, in some cases, even negative rates. So in order to achieve, you know, a return of 20% per annum in an environment with inflation, which is zero, is a massive, massive target. I think that's 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 a fair point. And, uh, you know, Craig, I want to get into it because, you know, you've, you've indicated on, 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 in terms of the fund, your benchmark, uh, instead of being conventionally the S&P 500 that everyone kind of looks at, you're looking at the S&P 1200. Now, not, not a lot of people are familiar with that as an index. I, I certainly understand some of the reasoning behind that. But maybe if you can tell us a bit about why the S&P 1200 and how that ties into your kind of ideology or your, your investment thesis effectively. So there's two indices that, that S&P have created. One is the S&P 500, which is the US as a whole. And then the S&P 700 is basically everything else except the US. And this portfolio, we didn't want to limit only to the US market. We really see it as a global opportunity. So we thought, well, you know, why don't we then rather benchmark ourselves against a global index? So anyone that, you know, invests in this portfolio or that compares it to anything would be really comparing it to the best opportunities they can find around the world. To chase the sort of growth numbers, you're obviously looking for growth companies because 20% in dollars is not a joke. You're looking across the world. You're looking for some really exciting opportunities. I imagine you, therefore, are looking for certain investment themes because to achieve those sort of numbers, you probably have to swim with the tide, don't you? I mean, to swim against the tide and get those sort of numbers on a sustainable basis won't be easy. What are some of the investment themes you think are exciting at the moment? We look at long-term investing. So although the target is 20% per annum, you know, we're comfortable that, you know, that 20% works out to be 20% per annum over a 10-year period. You know, it doesn't have to be in, a, in any calendar year. And I think the one massive advantage we have as normal people investing in the markets is that we're not married to a 12-month calendar for returns. You know, most professional investors out there get benchmarked on an annual basis. You know, if everyone else is worried about the next 12 months, you know, you tend to make decisions which are 12-month orientated. We do it differently, multi-year investment opportunities. And we look for businesses that can play out with above average growth rates for years to come. So in terms of where we get our sort of our pickings from, you know, we look at three massive mega trends as our, as our starting point. I mean, one is technology, you know, which is the overarching trend. Everywhere you go these days, technology is just really taking over the world. Over and above that, we then look at things like consumption, you know, people consume, you know, whether you're an emerging market consumer that's trying new things for the first time or a first world consumer that has certain tastes and preferences, 
you know, people consume and the wealthier we get, the more we consume. And then the one over and above all of them that or added to all of them is pharmaceuticals. And, you know, there we just look at healthcare and, and pharma and we say, well, again, from an emerging market consumer who's never had proper healthcare to a, an aging Japanese pensioner who's living longer than they normally would have expected, you know, there's varying degrees of healthcare requirements. And, um, you know, we look at those three in conjunction or rather in as a basket, if you like, and then create our investment universe within those three mega trends. I like what you're saying. I mean, Craig, you're effectively speaking our language that we normally delve into these kinds of issues on, on magic markets. In fact, familiar listeners will, will know that, you know, tech has been a very large focus of ours, certainly over the course of the last couple of shows. Uh, healthcare and pharma, very large, obviously not just because of the potential they present, but also given the situation that the world currently finds itself in. I mean, if we can get a little bit more granular here, I mean, we've we've mentioned a couple of names and, you know, we were chatting off air just before the show uh, in terms of some names that we've spoken about on this show, uh, but that also are held in the unicorn portfolio. And, you know, one of them that I quite liked was, was uh, leveraging off technology, leveraging off healthcare, was a stock called Teladoc, uh, which I know has been in your portfolio. Can you maybe talk us through maybe that stock, some of your other great ideas? So, so what were your best ideas that you've actually seen? Uh, and then, you know, also potentially, what were some of the ideas that, that didn't work out? And how does that all kind of come together in this portfolio that thus far has delivered stellar returns? Well, I mean, we can touch on Teladoc. Teladoc's one of our favorite stocks. It's a, it's a position that's done incredibly well for us. Um, you know, to just touch on it quite simply, what Teladoc does in the medical space is a little bit like what we're doing now on Zoom. You know, they provide video conferencing consultations for customers um, on an everyday basis. And if you can imagine, you know, you feel you're at home, you're not feeling very well, you know, you can't go to work, you, you know, you really feel that you need to speak to a doctor, what's the best way to do it? And you can actually contact the doctor telephonically or via an app like Zoom have a, a meeting with them. They can diagnose any issues that you may have and um, create a script or write a script for you. And then off you go, you know, and in this day and age, you can then even get that script delivered to your home. What it does now is it opens up the, the world of healthcare to a whole different gambit. You know, it starts overlaying technology with healthcare. And as this company is growing and progressing, they're actually starting to expand into the deeper value chain. That is healthcare. So now you can have a, an online consult with your doctor. Um, you can do it with a dermatologist. You can do it with a behavioral health specialist. Um, it doesn't matter. You know, the, the options are growing considerably. And, you know, that has very many different implications. If you think about it for, for a company that's employing you, you know, it's easier for you to get diagnosed at home than have to go into work, um, you know, potentially make some of your, you know, your fellow colleagues ill. And also really for you as an individual, if you're really feeling terrible and you can't get out of bed, well, you don't have to, you know, you can just log on, chat to your doctor without getting in your car and driving there, um, in a, you know, not, not feeling on top of your game. Yeah, Craig, I just want to rewind a little bit because obviously in the kind of world we're in right now, Zoom has become prolific. Uh, something like Teladoc, the business case you've just been speaking about, it now all of a sudden seems fairly obvious. Well, obviously telemedicine is where this is going, but you guys have had this in the portfolio pre-pandemic, uh, you know, what was the kind of insight? Because that's really the gem here is that Unicorn, my understanding, looking at your prospectus is that you guys are looking for those those disruptors. So, you know, what's going to actually disrupt industry over the longer term? And you correctly say, even in, in your own material, you know, out of your, your ideas, maybe 
you know, 20 of those will shoot the lights out and that's really where the alpha comes through in the fund. So maybe some of that thesis, how do you find these disruptors so far ahead of the curve? Because right now, you know, it's probably gonna be start becoming a lot more mainstream. Your talent, your skill has been spotting these things a mile away and before it becomes mainstream. These are the tech yes. truffles, Mo. Sure. So, these are the these are the truffles that Craig goes and hunts in the forest. It's easy to look at the unicorns, you know. A simple boy exactly. like me can go and invest in Apple, but to find tomorrow's winners, those tech truffles, that's the real magic of this fund, isn't it? That's right, yeah. And, and it's you know it takes quite a lot of work and effort to sniff them out. But you know we've got a recipe that that we've come up with, and I'll and I'll share that with you guys and your listeners. The important thing that we look at when we first start to consider how we invest in stocks or which stocks to invest in is we look at companies that are founder-run, founder-managed, founder-owned, that kind of thing. You know, if one looks at history, generally those companies that have been run by their founders or, or have significant influence in, in by their founders have performed way better than the stock market over time on average. You know, For most people that are in that position, this is a love, it's a passion. It's something they've done not just to make a buck, but it's the culmination of a dream and they're now bringing that dream to reality. In many, many cases, founders don't even take salaries. In some cases they do, but the salaries are far below the average of say a CEO that you'd find in a normal unlisted company. Why is that? Well, because they own tons of stock in their own business. You know, So if their business succeeds as, as they hope it will, they really make the money through rising share prices, not through you know, multi-million dollar paychecks. So that's the one thing. The other thing then is these companies have to have a significant growth opportunity. And there's various ways you can measure that. But you know, the, the one and probably simplest way is to look at the size of the business. If you have a business that is, for example, a $25 billion market cap business, and they are operating in a market which is worth maybe five or $600 billion as a total addressable market, you can make a case for how that company can gain a fair amount of market share and still be an absolutely massive performer. You know, we're looking for companies that have very strong balance sheets. So most of these companies that are in an uber growth phase don't generate profit. You know, most of the money or free cash flow they earn gets poured straight back into the business for growth or research and development or expansion, hiring, that kind of thing. So they have to have a balance sheet that can withstand um, that cash drain. And in many, many cases, in fact, all of them, all of the ones we look at within that truffle space, as you so put it, Ghost, are those companies that have flush balance sheets. Then on top of that, you know, we're looking for solid shelter base. You know, we don't want, you know, GameStop top shelters in, in, on the shelter list. We want proper long-term investors that are going to be, you know, in this for the long run. You know, and when you put all of that together, you know, what you suddenly find is a business that's run by a manager that has an enormous amount of passion, is incentivized to grow the business because it's his baby. And also he has an enormous amount of stock in that business. The balance sheet's strong. The growth runway is enormous. And then you have a very strong and supportive shelter base. Craig, that's incredibly interesting. And it, it's something that we touch on a lot. And, and certainly I've written about a lot as well as these kind of platform businesses. So value investors struggle to get their heads around paying these big multiples for companies that are not actually making profits. But a lot of it comes down to an understanding of what winner-takes-all economics looks like. And a lot of these companies are winner-takes-all economics. They will eventually dominate an industry. They're going to burn cash until they do. But when that day comes that they do... 
and they don't need to spend a big portion of their money on building the platform, on marketing anymore. They can almost flick a switch and just say, great, we've now got gazillions of clients. They're all paying us. It's, it's great. We're now in a mature phase and then bam, the profits arrive. It, it feels like that's what's going on in the world and a lot of investors are still not getting their heads around that. And that's where value investors and growth investors are struggling to kind of find each other. But actually their principles are, are, are not that different. You know, and we've seen Warren Buffett participate recently in a, in a big stock IPO of a tech company, which was Snowflake, which is a really big departure for something like Berkshire Hathaway. So would you say that's an accurate yeah. statement of how a lot of these businesses end up playing out, your truffles? Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right, Ghosts. I mean, for example... The reason value investing is so attractive to people is because everyone wants a deal. You know, by definition, a value stock is a cheap, unloved company. And, you know, that's the reason why it gets so much attention. You know, as people are looking for that next gem that nobody loves, that will suddenly be discovered or rediscovered and will double or triple in value and make us a fortune. The sad reality, however, is that in 99% of cases, there's a reason why the stock is cheap. And, you know, the market hasn't missed anything. You know, you're, you're either in a business which is showing signs of strain, which has balance sheet problems, or is in a market which is in terminal decline, or, or something like that. The growth stocks, on the other hand, are a very different kettle of fish. And, and as we were saying offline before we started this, it really is a mindset change. You know, one's got to almost flip your head around it and say, you know, although it doesn't necessarily look like something is cheap at the moment, what are the long-term prospects for this business? And, you know, especially if you compare that to something which might fall into a value bucket. And there's a pretty easy example I can give you. You know, if you're a company and you sell a widget, you know, there's a certain cost you, you have to overcome when you produce that widget. And it's obviously a manufacturing process, a staff cost, rent, or a property that you produce in or your factory or whatever the case is. And then you go and you sell that widget. Now you sell 500 widgets and you make a certain amount of profit. If you sell a thousand widgets, then your profit grows. If you sell 2000 widgets, it grows further. Eventually though, you run out of capacity and you have to buy another factory or expand your, your network. And as a result, your costs rise. You hire more people, you buy more equipment, etc. And so, and so you go. And in the only way you can really grow your earnings over time is to just simply sell more and more and more widgets. When you look at the stocks today in the, in the tech space that what, what we consider now to be high multiples, these companies are very different. You know, they generally have a certain cost that is incurred to create their product or their software or, or whatever it is that they're selling. That is pretty much a sunk cost. You know, there is development and maintenance that goes on that. Over and above that, you obviously have to have really solid staff and engineers. But incrementally, once you have a client, they will keep paying you your subscription on a monthly basis. So now you have one factory that no longer needs to just sell a thousand widgets. It can sell 50 million widgets, but you don't have any increasing cost. And that's the real difference. And that is the big change i think that's happening over time and it's a very exciting time i mean companies today in the space are new breed by definition i mean they have higher growth rates than average they have considerably higher margins than average they have recurring income streams they have more advanced technology all these things really mean that they can scale a lot faster locally globally whatever the case may be there's going to be a debate I think that will rage on for years and years between value investors and growth investors and, you know, and what will be the right strategy. 
But the one thing I'd like to point out is, you know, if you just focus on conventional price and or something like a PE as a valuation multiple, you could miss the wood for the trees. I mean, Amazon, for example, is a stock that's, you know, in its early years, always traded at a PE above 80. Think about that for a second, above 80. But 80 PE 10 or 15 years ago might have been a $50 share price. Now, you know, if $50, the stock was trading at an 80 PE, and you might have thought that's ridiculous. I'll never buy Amazon. Well, you know, today we're at $3,500 a share. Being scared of paying up for a high-quality business can be a very, very big mistake. Yeah, Craig, I mean, this this is fascinating stuff. And I mean, unfortunately, cognizant of time, we, we're only scratching the surface. I mean, there's so many things we could still still get into and un- unpack this. I think it's really about that maturation. I mean, these businesses, like you said, an ATPE 10 years ago is very different. And as that business matures, that's as the, that's as the value, if you want to call it a traditional value investor, that value unlocks over time. Uh, very quickly, I mean, we don't give any financial advice on the show. Uh, in the interest of full disclosure, I have some of my money sitting with, with Anbro because I trust the guys. And, you know, Craig, South African investors don't usually have access to this type of investment. Uh, maybe just as a quick synopsis from your side, you know, how do investors get access to your brilliant ideas to this portfolio? Uh, what should they go and, and look for? Sure. Well, I mean, the first thing I will do is I'll point, um, you know, anyone who's interested to our website. And the website for this portfolio is www.investinunicorns.com. If you have a normal stockbroking account, you can buy the, the listed portfolio on the JSE. And, you know, we did that in 2018. We brought this portfolio similarly, you know, like someone would bring an ETF type structure to the, to the market and we listed it in South Africa. The share code for the portfolio is UABCPA. It's on the website, though. Um, the other option is to go via our Unitrust. Um, Unitrust was recently launched. We actually launched it in November. And you know, really, the, the reason for that is it was, it was growing demand from, from people that wanted to invest in it, whether it be on just a conventional Unitrust sort of structure or a retirement portfolio, you know, where it fits in as, as part of your offshore exposure. And um, and anyone in you know that's just just simply wants to invest and, and prefers to do it in the unit trust way as opposed to the the normal share way. So we've tried to cover all bases. There. You know, if someone has a stockbroking account, they can buy it in their portfolio like they would any other stock. Or if you like to invest in unit trusts, um, you you know you'll be able to find all the details on our website of how to get access to the unit trust. Craig, I'd like to add to that because I think a lot of our listeners probably do use Easy Equities. You can find it on Easy Equities, but it's in the ETNs section because it's an exchange-traded yeah. note. So uh, please note that little uh, that little nuance to our listeners. Uh, and Craig, we obviously always, you know, say to our listeners, speak to your financial advisor, find out if this if this makes sense in your portfolio, do your research. But what is really great is that this is just a very cool portfolio. It's available to South Africans. And they get to invest with people who are not just great at spotting, I think, today's unicorns, but tomorrow's unicorns. And that's really the magic. To Craig, thanks uh, for bringing the magic to magic markets. I know our, our topic was a little bit whimsical today, tech truffles and unicorns. But I think we've certainly unpacked that. And I certainly know from my side, Ghost, I'm sure you're going to agree with me. There's definitely a case for us to bring Craig back on the show and, and, and just unpack more of the thinking, more of the ideas. Because that's what we're about on the show. Uh, you know, that's the flavor. And uh, Craig, just a big thank you from from my side for being on the show. No, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Mo. Thank you, Ghost. Happy to be here. I mean, 
yes, I mean, I would encourage any of your listeners to you know, chat to their financial advisors. You know, it is something that, you know, you, you should take advantage of those skills that are out there if you're unsure about anything. Um, and also, you know, from our side, you know, we always like to make ourselves available, you know, so feel free to drop us an email. The details are on the website. You know, we'll, you know, we'll reach out and touch base with you. No problem at all. We're not the sort of fund managers that stay away from our clients and, you know, and try to hide behind the, you know, the big marble walls, if you like. Please don't phone and ask for Tony. It's Craig and Tony, not Craig and <laughs> Tony. It's but one person. Craig, from our side, thank you so much. I think, right. I think that's it for episode 11 of Magic Markets. And thank you to our listeners as well. Please share the show with your friends. Rate it on your favorite channel. We were very excited to see it go through 3,000 downloads in the last show. So we are looking forward to building on that, despite Mo not wearing his lucky hoodie. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. This podcast is brought to you by Anbro Capital Investments. Invest in the future. Invest in growth. Visit investingunicorns.com to learn more. The Unicorn Portfolio is managed by Anbro Capital Investments, an authorized financial services provider. Remember to visit thefinanceghost.com and monos.com for more detailed insights. This podcast was for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial or investment advice. Please consult your personal financial advisor.